0: Hey, this is Michael Brooks from the Flake Art DAO, the platform preserving today's digital cultural artifacts for tomorrow. You're tuning in to The Edge of NFT, the go-to podcast where each episode is a precious artifact. Keep listening.
1: Hi, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode to learn how one white hat cyberpunk breached security with his resume to land a job at one of the top social networking platforms.
2: Plus how accidentally shutting down their high school's phone service ended up being our guest's first hack.
1: Finally, hear about how Moonbird's newest collection, The Mythics, is hatching a unique minting experience backed by some deep lore. And finally, dive into the captivating world of artificial intelligence with the Edge of AI podcast. Join us as we explore the frontiers of AI and its impact on our lives. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn for exciting updates and insights. And don't miss our exclusive launch event. If you're in LA, it's going to be August 2nd in Venice Beach. And you can get your tickets today and be on the forefront of the AI revolution. Check our socials
3: and newsletter for more details. Welcome to the Edge of NFT, the podcast created by Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of Web3 today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts of the business side and also the human element about Web3 is changing the way we interact with the things we love this podcast is for the dreamers disruptors and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next today's sponsored
2: episode features michael brooks of flake art dow also known as from flake art dow michael is seasoned cryptographer and a penetration tester with 20 years of experience earning him recognition from the department of homeland security committed to advancing cryptography and information security, Michael's mission is to promote a free and just society. But his expertise doesn't stop at cryptography. Michael has artfully intertwined his technical prowess with the love and arts of Create Flake, a pioneering project that explores the intersection of cryptography, machine learning, and AI art. Flake Art DAO offers a unique platform for artists to leave their mark on the world. It empowers the creators with their very own artist corner on the Flake website a cost-free digital gallery to display their creations. Open to everyone, the creation process is completely free, inviting art from all corners of the world. If the DAO approves the artwork, it transforms into Flake NFT and takes its permanent place in the immortal museum. Stay with us as we peel back the layers of the exciting world of Flake Art DAO with Michael. Michael, welcome to Edge of NFT. Hey, good to be here.
1: Yeah, man. It's been great getting to know you through the inner sort of web of, I guess, let's call it Web3 and AI that's sort of booming in Venice, California. And really excited to have you on the show.
0: Absolutely. Silicon Beach is definitely the place to be. Absolutely. Yeah. If anyone's
1: listening and hasn't got a chance to get over to LA for Outer Edge or just to check out what's going on, come on by. A lot of good building going on right now across the whole sort of emerging tech space. But let's jump into it, Michael, because you have a really interesting story, which we want to sort of unpack here. And I guess the obvious first question is, when did you get into crypto?
0: So I got into crypto in middle school. About 1998, I wrote my first encryption algorithm. It was a homework assignment in science class. And everyone was given a week to come up with an encryption algorithm. And then the teacher would break our algorithm. I think it was more fun for him. But when he got to mine, he couldn't break it. And he actually asked for more time. And he came back and he's like, I don't get it. And What I did is I used a heat rotation site, which is in the same family as Enigma. Not as advanced as Enigma, but it stumped him. And it really showed the power of math and being able to protect the message very early on in my life.
1: Wow, that's pretty cool. And you threw out a really interesting word there, Cypher, which of course sort of evokes the whole sort of cyberpunk movement. I'm sort of curious, how do you relate to that world in terms of who you are?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a cypherpunk. And what we are is we use technology, we use math and science at our disposal to ensure free society, bring about fairness in the world. And really cryptography more broadly is the study of algorithms and systems to protect messages, but also the people behind it. And so a cypherpunk in a modern era, we have a lot of the same tools as governments, but we can use it for our own ends.
2: That's very interesting, right? So for a lot of reasons, cypherpunks unfortunately got the nefarious kind of title of being evil and then doing some evil things on the dark web to do things like the Silk Road and other things like that. But I don't think that's always the case. So can you kind of like talk through that?
0: Yeah, I think some of the louder voices get more attention. And like, there's also some like media fear mongering. But there is an element of what's called culture jamming, where you're maybe using some of the technology and you might be breaking the law. And that's something that we saw certainly with Anonymous and LulzSec. And that's not a good way forward. I think those people they were all tracked and found. And if you really wanted to create something that lasts and has a real change, you need to be law-abiding. So you can be fully legal and and still be a cypherpunk.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's sort of what draws a lot of people to crypto. I mean, it started as this sort of nefarious thing, but the fundamental roots of crypto is sort of that balance between privacy and transparency. And in it, feels like a juxtaposition, but when we peel it back, there's layers and layers of nuance to those two worlds that can actually be bridged together. And I think we're doing a really interesting job
0: of accomplishing that every day. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I'd like to call out here is advent of cryptocurrency came from the mind of a cypherpunk. In 1993, they talked about the cypherpunk Manifesto. You can look that up. And it's exactly that. It's you know, using this for freedom and all of its flavors, all of its forms.
1: All right. So fast forward a little bit and voila, you're at Snapchat. So how did that happen? What did you do for Snapchat? And of course, did you ever get Snaps?
0: (laughs) All good questions. So how I got my job at Snapchat is I spoke at Black Hat and I found a vulnerability that was internet wide affected Akamai and all of their clients that relied on video distribution. So I spoke at Black Hat and they had a booth there. And so I wasn't actually looking for a job at Snapchat, but the CISO handed me his business card and I found a vulnerability in their email system because it was Vegas. And I just, it was at DEF CON and they had a bounty program. So I reported to them through the Bug Bounty program by sending my resume through their email system to their security team, which point I immediately got a text from their CISO and he says, okay, that was pretty good. Come meet me for a drink in the bar. And yeah, from there, he hired me. We created the offensive security team at Snapchat. I was head of the red team and uh, we handled company acquisitions as well as taking the role of a nation state attacker who's going after snaps at Snapchat. So... Now the other part of that question is, did I ever get snaps? So yeah, to my knowledge, and I still know people who work there. My team is the only team that were able to get access to both the snaps and the encryption keys for snaps. And how we did that is, well, a few things. This was earlier on at Snapchat. The thing is security back then wasn't as good as it is now. So right now, there's end-to-end encryption, which is that's really useful. Signal has end-to-end encryption. WhatsApp in early Snapchat it wasn't end-to-end encrypted. So there was a master encryption key out there. So that made it more possible. Now, getting that encryption key, you still had to be cloud admin over all the So You still had to be king of the land. And that's where we put together an attack chain. And we specifically, based off of previous breach history at Snapchat, they were hacked during holidays. So we attacked them on Thanksgiving. And successfully got full cloud. I didn't decrypt any snaps, of course. That's fireable offense, and also against the ethos. It's all it's all about privacy. What I did is I showed a bit of the ciphertext, a bit of access to the file, and the a bit of the encryption key, so that there would be no doubt that I could have decrypted it. And of course, that was enough. And that report that spurred interest in adopting end-to-end encryption at Snapchat. So ultimately, that helped expedite and improve security overall, and that's really the point of these types of engagements and and really my work in, as a red team ahead of the red team.
2: That's really cool. There's two big takeaways I got from that. Number one is it's okay to be bold in environments when you're seeking an opportunity and to just go for it. And the second is be safe out there because who knows what people can get access to these days without proper safety measures in place and why hackers are good for ultimately for a lot of companies to making sure their own vulnerabilities don't come to the surface because uh, Snapchat, I'm sure before you were there, I remember there were some big things that first came out before all that and it wasn't great, but it slowly got better and it's only continued to improve over time. And I now know that I can help attribute that to you. So that's really cool as being one of the first power Snapchat users back in my day. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. I really want to call out. The security is very, very important. Snapchat comes from the very top. Evan Spiegel takes it very seriously. And they have a very secure product, including having end-end to encryption and defending your privacy against government and government snooping. So I put Snapchat as one of the more secure platforms. It was great working there.
2: Definitely, man. So another fast forward. So you go from doing that at Snapchat and here we are today. Your next big experiment is called the Immortal Museum. So what is that? how did we get here? And yeah, I'm excited to learn more.
0: Yeah. So how we got here is a bit roundabout as life is, but I was traveling in Southeast Asia and I got very sick. And this happens when you're outside of the country for a while. I was outside of the country for part of a year and I was in Japan and I suddenly was just sicker than I had ever been. And like, I was so ill that like, I am just sitting in a bathhouse. And actually, I've never been that sick in my life. I like thought maybe this could be my last day. Like this could easily be my last day. It wasn't, obviously. Like I did end up getting better, but that was kind of in the thick of it. And I'm sitting in this bathhouse, Japanese bathhouse, older than America, this onsen, in the water up to my neck. And I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, if today's my last day, what would I really do? What would I do with my life? And you know, like, do I put a blog post to say how cool I am? No, I'll be forgotten. It doesn't matter. So what I did the next day, As I volunteered, I picked up trash in Japan, Kamikatsu, Japan, the trashless city. I knew that in that time, I could make the world more beautiful, and that was more meaningful than anything else. And so, in this idea, while this was happening, though, my grandmother was passing. So not only am I dealing with my own my own mortality, my grandmother, who I've loved dearly, she's passing from Alzheimer's. So I get the message to say, "Hey, you need to come back to the U.S. You need to come back to the states." and I knew then that I had an amazing gift to give her. So she was part of the silent generation. She was a painter and not even her own children saw her paintings. So, so much so that when she was being moved out of her apartment, they were going to be thrown out. They were literally going to be thrown away. And I took, archived over 200 of her works. And so I worked out a deal with the church, or where her funeral is at, and three different framing studios. I got 30 of them framed. And I had an art show for my grandmother. And even her own children, when they saw it, my aunts and uncles, they they cried. They cried saying it. But one last thing. So I'm a computer scientist. I went to, to the school for CS. And my sophomore year textbook was Data Structures, which is Donald Knuth. Well, Donald Knuth attends that church. And my grandfather was Donald Knuth's pastor. And he knew my grandmother. So this Like Juggernaut, this icon in computer science, Dr. Knuth, collected two of my grandmother's paintings. So this amazing, which would have been a thrown out. So really taking this into consideration, it's like, wow, amazing cultural artifacts are being created every day. And it's important for us to recognize that and hold on to it, because one day they'll be worth a lot more. And that is really where the Immortal Museum came from.
1: What a story, man. And yeah, it sort of puts uh, all entrepreneurs in check in terms of have a reason to do what you do and make sure you really love it and it means something to you. So obviously the word immortal, it's a powerful word. It has to do with sort of this history with your grandma and what you did there, but also the immutableness of blockchain and sort of digital assets and digital art. So what exactly is the Immortal Museum? And what are some of the mechanics on how it's going to
2: operate?
0: Yeah, well, I think you hit the nail on the head why we call it Immortal is is that immutability. I think right now we can make our mark. And I think before there was always a chance that the machine would break down, but the blockchain is very unique, a distributed ledger and it rebuilds itself like a mycelia network. I mean, I think that the idea of calling it the Immortal Museum, like everything goes to zero. There is heat death ultimately, but we should still think about how about building something that lasts. We should think about how we want to contribute to something that will live on much longer than us. And one thing that really comes to me is um, we found these cave paintings from people that were very early on and they were painting early life. And they had no idea that what came next would see that. And the same thing goes here. It's like, we don't know what comes next. It may be that we're replaced by computers, like this transhumanist future. And certainly, AI is changing our perception of the world. And maybe these AI would like to see what humans had created before they were replaced.
1: Yeah, yeah, I dig it. Yeah, why wouldn't AI want that? We have a new podcast we're starting. I think I mentioned Edge of AI It actually launches in just a couple weeks. And we want to shine a light on what you can do with AI that can make the world better. Obviously, you can't have a conversation about AI without also talking about the challenges. But I think there's a lot of really interesting possibilities that can can be done similar to sort of how you approach cryptography and the goodness that comes from sort of looking at it that way. It seems like there's a lot of analogies. But I guess recognizing The early nature of the Immortal Museum, I should say it's a little bit earlier than some of the projects that we have on the show. But I think this is a time where we sort of need to pay homage to the builders that are thinking out of the box. What are some of the sort of unique aspects of how you're looking at building your community?
0: Yeah. And thank you for featuring us. I think that this project is It's really what the community needs in terms of being an on-ramp for artists. So if you want to experience kind of what we're about, our subreddit slash our flake is really the kind of the beta test of what we're doing. So anyone can submit art and vote on it and be able to feature artists. And it's really about kind of using Web3 to create new types of communities. So traditionally right now, when you're selling an NFT, your major signal is who's collected you right? Those are who your fans are. We're creating like another signal. It's who's voting on you, who actually wants to see you succeed, who's commenting on your work, who wants to help guide your creative process. And we want to create a stronger community between curators who ultimately are their fan base, their collectors, and between new artists in this. I mean, certainly established artists could make use of Flake, but really the benefit I think is goes more to people who have yet to be discovered.
2: Yeah, I think that's very well said. You want to be able to Bring emergent talent out and give them the tools to be successful. But one of the things that is coming up very frequently now is the conversation around AI. And there's a lot of these tools and people are, haven't really wrapped their heads around what's going on. But in a lot of ways, it's being merged into art. So the Mortal Museum is aiming to curate some standout AI art. And how are you looking to like accomplish this? And could you kind of like briefly explain generative adversarial networks and their role in creating that?
0: Yeah. So talking about the word generative adversarial network, really that this is creating a relationship between two AI, between two intelligences. And one is a generator, one creates all of this amazing new work. And then you need some kind of person to a judge. And we call those an adversary in this case again. And one way to think of our museum and our voting process is we are the curation GAN of all creative force. So all it, it could be from humans, it can be from all the various AIs, it all bubbles up and we wanted to pick what is the best, what is the coolest, most interesting work that is being created today.
1: That's very cool. And I guess we can't depart this part of the conversation without asking what exactly
0: is a flake? What is a flake? So a flake represents a wall in our museum. So one flake token, however you find it, is guaranteed one position in our museum. Now it is an unusual token. It has special powers built, built into it. So it is a NFT with great utility. And that utility is really there to help facilitate trade of Flake and make it easier for make your art marketable.
2: Cool. Awesome. As you're we're explaining that, I'm sure a lot of listeners right now want to know, that, as even myself, how can they get involved with your launch and as you're bringing Flake DAO out to the world?
0: Absolutely. So you can join our subreddit if you're an artist and start submitting your work. You can follow us on threads if you want to see some of the work that we're putting out or on Twitter. And of course, we have an art drop. So our first artist that we're exhibiting is our very own Eduardo Gomez. And he has a really unique collection of NFTs that were made by hand. These are not AI art, beautifully rendered 4K, Glistening Snowflakes. It's called the Nightfall Flake series, which drops tonight at midnight.
1: Exciting. Yeah. So that's uh, July 20th. So folks will be listening to this after the drop, but you'll have a chance to check it out and see what it's all about. And hopefully we will share that on social today. So if our really active listeners are checking out social, they'll get the alpha here. So that's really exciting, man. And I guess where do we go from here? Recognizing sort of the evolution nature of Web3 and how roadmaps are, they have a slightly different definition than in other sort of types of organizations like Snap, for example. What are some of the features and collaborations down the pike?
0: Yeah. I mean, where we're going from here, I think right now we're in the middle of NFT winter and we're a winter themed company. Like it couldn't be a better time to launch this project. I think that things are going to improve, particularly in the art market. I think that what we've seen here about bringing amazing creators to the space will only continue. And we have some amazing creators uh, yet to be announced on our platform. So we are working with some great bright minds in the space and putting out some new work that you won't find on other platforms.
3: That is awesome. You have questions about blockchain? Like how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? And does blockchain taste better barbecued or deep fried? (laughs) Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. Blockchain Trading Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> so hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOV for 50% off and start your next block today.
2: You've given us a lot of alpha, a lot of awesome things to hear, but... Josh, I think it might be time for some quick hitters.
1: Yeah, I'm really curious with this guy, what comes out of this segment. Michael, you ready? I'm ready. All right. So Edge Quick Hitters is a fun, quick way to get to know you a little better. There's going to be 10 questions and we're looking for just a short single word or a few word response, but feel free to expand if you you have the urge. You ready? I think we already established it. He's ready. Number one, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life?
0: Ooh, I believe it was a stickers bar. I believe it was a Snickers bar to 7-Eleven. Yeah.
1: All right. Very good sort of computer programming default treat there back in, I don't know, the 80s or so. So not to date you. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life?
0: Ooh, well, I sold fireworks when I was in elementary school. So I actually ran a business selling legal fireworks that were sold by my ice cream man. So (laughs) that was my first, uh, this is my first foyer in in entrepreneurship.
2: Nice. Awesome, man. (laughs) What a fun time. Well, what is the most recent thing you purchased?
0: Most recent thing I purchased? MacBook 14 inch, the M2 chip. Oof. Love it.
2: Awesome. And what is the most recent thing you sold?
0: Ooh, most recent thing I sold. Oh, Flake. Sold some Flake. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Makes
0: sense.
1: It's lunch day. All right. So what is your most prized possession?
0: Ooh, I have some of my grandmother's artwork. So I have her personal binder that she was using to submit to art school. And so including some garments that she was designing for women's wear in like the 30s and 40s. And I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it in the 2030s, 100 years later. She always wanted to make clothes. I'm going to make it for her.
1: That's awesome. And if you could buy anything in the world, Digital, physical service experience is currently for sale. What would it be?
0: Oh, it has to be for sale. because like world peace isn't for sale, right? So I think I'd buy maybe land in the Amazon and try and preserve the forest. I think that's how I'd spend my money. And that's certainly where I'm donating my money at the end is to Nature Conservancy. Yeah. Have you spent some time in the rainforest? Not in the Amazon, but other rainforests, yes. I would like to go.
1: I have. And it's definitely a once in a lifetime experience with some extremely large bugs. Everything <laughs> is magnified. It was like that. <laughs> I forget that movie, but like pretty much everything is like ten times bigger than you see it around here. It's a pretty amazing place. Well, that's yeah.
2: awesome. If you could pass on one personality traits to the next generation, what would it be?
0: Oh, kindness. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Double down on that. I agree with you on that one. But if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be?
0: Ooh, how about like self-blame? Like needless shame or something? Like there's some amount of self. How about that?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Speaking more positive into your life and then uplifting instead of bringing yourself down. So I like that. That's a first I've heard.
1: Cool. All right. So in terms of the last few questions, what did you just do before joining us on the podcast?
0: (laughs) I had breakfast and worked out a, a bit. Yeah. And I'm actually working on metadata. For the drop. So, yeah, writing code and working out.
1: Cool. And next, what are you going to do right after this podcast?
0: After this podcast, meeting with my friends, people of Flake, we're uh, getting ready for the drop tonight. So, yeah, that's awesome. Big day. Well,
1: uh, really, really it's a huge day. day. Yeah. yeah. And coming on the show, man, and you don't even seem that stressed. Like that's not <laughs> normal for our industry. So I want whatever you have.
2: <laughs> <laughs> cheers. Cheers. I'm saying, Yeah. Cheers, man. And on that, we got one final bonus question for you. You know, coming and being a, a cyberpunk and doing some hacking. I'm curious, what was the first thing you ever
0: hacked? Oh, good question. So the first like Issue that someone had to fix was a bug in my high school's phone network. So it was actually it was freaking. What I did is I crashed their recording system. So in high schools, they all phone calls are recorded. And I used a dial back number on a payphone because I wanted the payphone to ring. I just wanted the payphone to ring to make it just to as like a trick. But what ended up happening is the callback number crashed the school's phone system and so the next day they sent out like operators who had like ripped the phone off the wall and were trying to figure out why this phone kept calling itself so yeah that was my first issue wow that's awesome good stuff man
3: hey there nft space cadet let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to abbott kinney boulevard in venice beach la Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you d who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio. And you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right. This full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole enchilada NFT service can help you. Yes, you, Randy. Launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale, and model of yacht, as well as weather scale, model of yacht, or actual yacht.
1: Well, thank you for playing along with us. And now it's time for Hot Topics, where we sort of cover what's going on in the world of Web3 today. And our first one is pretty special. So Proof has released The Mythics, a new NFT collection expanding the Moonbirds universe. Everyone knows what Proof is all about, but it's the Web3 community that's driven by the belief that art is proof of a collective humanity. And this announcement just kind of went down today around the Mystics. It's a significant installment in their growing ecosystem that really unlocks the next phase of the Moonbird's world. give you guys a little bit more context here and our listeners at home. So the Mythics project expands upon the Moonbird's PFP collection with a generous series of mythical birds. And they've developed this new mint experience as part of it, which I think is pretty interesting. Each day, 50 mythic eggs will be activated and 50 nominated oddities NFTs will be burned for mythics. And once activated, the mythic eggs can be hatched at any point. Holders of these mythics will actually have full commercial rights that are and be able to leverage the character's intellectual property. What do you guys think?
0: I think it's interesting. And I'm happy to see that more IP is being tied to NFT ownership. I think that's a good call. Certainly Board Ape Yacht Club did that really well.
2: Yeah, I yeah. think they really set the stage on just referring to the board apes and how they're doing a lot with their intellectual property. I think Proof saw that and figured, how can we bring that to our ecosystem with from their moodbirds and doing this new launch to empower more of the owners to be able to do and to take part in a lot of these really cool IP ideas that they have. And this is kind of the first step in that direction.
1: Yeah, I met some of the Moonbirds team recently, actually in Venice at Alpha IRL. Kevin was there and their community manager. And like what I really sort of got a sense of is their commitment to the lore and the passion behind this project that didn't want to necessarily wait for a quote like bull market to pull this off that they were just so excited about sort of the underlying technology that and sort of the art that's been built here, that they were just eager to share it with the world. I think that's really cool. And there's always been some different opinions on sort of common rights and sort of how to handle that. I think they're doubling down on sort of giving that IP out away to the community in a really sort of cool way here. So wishing the best with this drop and excited about it. Michael, any other thoughts?
0: Yeah, wishing them the best. I really like their artwork. I'm happy to their commitment and expanding the collection, especially during the winter. That's fantastic. I'm really looking forward to seeing more from Moonbirds.
1: Cool. Yeah, me too. Well, let's do one more if you guys are up for it. Sure. All right. So Flash, the movie, has some NFTs that spark both excitement and skepticism. Warner Brothers DC superhero film The Flash is now available with an NFT. With immersive Web3 experiences, the Flash NFTs will offer fans the opportunity to watch the movie in 4K Ultra HD and access exclusive content, artwork, and augmented reality experiences. And the NFT comes in two different versions with the Mystery Edition at $35, and there's 10,000 copies, and the Premium Edition at $100 with only 2,000 copies available, Warner Brothers says in a statement. I think this is super cool. I like to see real utility when it comes to the entertainment industry using this. I mean, there's all sorts of different use cases for NFTs, and we talk about them all on the show. But certainly, giving fans this unique watching experience makes a lot of sense for a major, major studio, giving this sort of improved, elevated experience. I dig it. I'm sure there's going to be some skeptics here, but kudos to Warner Brothers for really leaning in on something with a really iconic, sort of project, The Flash and DC sort of comics and all that stuff. And I think that they're announcing it around the time of Comic-Con. And it just shows me the sort of deeper sort of longevity of Web3 to unlock these types of fan experiences with major IP. It's a nice contrast to what we just talked about, where you have Web3 generated IP. Now you have like a real strong legacy brand that's sort of finding creative ways to gamify the fan experience. So I'm into this one. What about you
2: guys?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I also like that it's Flash. Out of all of the superheroes, crypto is fast. It's way faster than uh, traditional finance. So I I love that Flash is on chain. I think that's great.
2: Another really cool thing about this, I think back to people who were like diehard Star Wars fans. And if they purchased an initial video back in the day, like maybe that video cassette is worth something. But like the fact that they're trying to build up the brand like Marvel did, I can't imagine like the first Iron Man they drop something like this to where you could own it, and like what that value could be for these like diehard people from like the Marvel series. Now looking at Warner Bros. What they're doing with the whole DC comics and trying to like evolve that kind of to what Marvel's been able to create. And I think this is a first great place to start because if they're able to continue this empire and build over the next decade, like things like this are gonna hold a ton of value and for your really really dedicated fans. Like. This is both giving them something that they can hold on to but then also that they, they can share and potentially make money on on the open market in the future. So I think it's just a really cool way to explore what that could look like.
0: That's a really good point. The flash is like my grandfather's generation like like we have scooters now <laughs> no, no I know the I know the flash is like yeah it was from a different time but the fact that they're still able to keep it fresh and, and capitalize and put something out I think is great really commendable and true strength absolutely
1: well. That
0: concludes
1: our Hot topic segment. And now we have one of our newer segments called Shout Out, where we ask you, Michael, to sort of think about someone in your world that you want to give some TLC on Edge of NFT.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. A new artist in the NFT space. His name is Eduardo Gomez. He is from rural Brazil and he is a phenomenal artist, hardworking, all manual. And he created the Nightfall, the Nightfall Flake series that drops tonight. So I'm really looking forward to this release and yeah, keep an eye out on Flake Art FlakeArtDAO or Twitter for more information.
1: All right. Sweet. So we sort of wrapped up. I mean, I think this has been a super interesting show and really interesting to you and your story and what you're doing with Blake Art Dow. We just mentioned Twitter is a great place to go down that rabbit hole. And we are doing a really cool giveaway for our listeners. So appreciate your generosity there. And we've got some interesting prizes, first, second, and third place, $250, $150, $75 in Flake. But also some NFTs I'm seeing here, a bull with sunglasses, a crane, a rabbit. Can you tell us more about those guys?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we have rarity. In this particular collection, this is the OG5K series. And it is based off of the Chinese Zodiac. So you see different animals like year of the rabbit, year of the bull. So in this case, the number one is an ox with sunglasses. And sunglasses is a very rare trait. It's possible for some of these animals to have gear, such as hats or a pipe. And in this case, yeah, Year of the Ox is the number one Number two is Year of the Crane. And I think it speaks for itself. It's really an elegant piece in and itself, doesn't have rarity of its other than being an animal. The crane is, is fairly rare. And then the more common piece is just more generic snowflake. So that's our third place prize.
2: Sweet. Those are all pretty awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. And again, everyone, make sure you go participate. Those all sound pretty spectacular. But again, everyone, we've reached the outer limits of the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us, and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing "edge of NFT" with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in to next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today.
0: This episode was brought to you by today's guest and sponsor. The creators of Edge of NFT will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program.
2: We are very selective when deciding who to have on these shows, but we are learning as we go just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment
0: purposes only and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.